Uh, do take your Bibles and open to Psalm 127. One of our ladies' Bible studies, the Tuesday morning study, is, is working their way through the Song of Ascents section of the Psalter. And this is one of those Song of Ascents. This one is from Solomon. It's about the Lord building the house. We just sang there at the, in the Psalm 84 portion, Blessed is he who places all his trust in thee. And that's really what this first portion is about, is us trusting God, realizing that we can't build the church or our homes. He's the one that has to do that. But we have responsibility. He's told us how to do it, what we're supposed to do. But ultimately, it rests upon him. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that it's ultimately on him? I realize that cuts against the grain of rugged American individualism, bootstrap, bootstrap religion. I mean, we can do this. We just need to pull our... Pull our boots up good and tight. You know, pull the belt a little tighter. But the bottom line is we can't. We don't possess the ability. And God does. Well, let's read it. God's word. A song of ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city... The watchman stays awake in vain. It's in vain that you rise up early and go, to, go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Let's pray and thank him for his word. Father, we do thank you that you've given us your word, that we might not be left to grope about as in darkness to know what to do, and how to do it. But you have told us. You've not only told us what to do and how to do it, but you've told us that in the end, you will do it for us. That you will take our meager, often pathetic efforts, and you will accomplish all your holy will. Thank you. We ask now that you bless the reading, the hearing, the preaching, and that we might not leave this place having judged your word, but rather having come under your word and leaving this place committed to your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's, uh, 
It's pointed out by almost all the commentators. This is the centerpiece of the song of ascents section. That's because seven song of ascents precede it and seven come after it. So it's right in the middle of this particular section of the Psalter. The theme is this, and I think it's rather obvious, but sometimes it's good to point out the obvious. All is vain unless God informs the plans and blesses the efforts. All is vain unless God informs the plans and blesses the efforts. Listen to what the Proverbs say in chapter 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. That's just a nice summary statement of what this entire chapter says. God is supposed to build his house. And this is one of those one of those psalms that the people of God would have been meditating upon as they went up, as they ascended to worship God. That's part of what David perhaps had in mind when when we read this back in chapter 42. He says, uh, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. The songs of ascent. So as the throngs would ascend on high to worship God, they would be meditating and singing and speaking these these thoughts to one another and expressing them to God in gratitude. So, two weeks ago we looked at sin and we focused on our children, how easy it is for sin to affect our children. How important it is for us, and particularly in the household of faith and in the context of the church and the Christian home, to protect our children. And that means, you see the announcement in the bulletin, keeping them in sight. In God we trust, all others we monitor. Remember, nice little, nice little summary of that. And uh, so keeping them in sight, being sure that only good will come to them. Well, we're going to focus on that a bit here today as well. But we're going to look at the family in a larger sense and the church in a larger sense as well here in chapter 127. And it's a good passage to look at as I finish up this little mini-series in January as we're entering into the first. Isn't it amazing? January is spent. This is the last Lord's Day of January. One twelfth of the year. Fini. It's just remarkable, isn't it, to think about. It seems like just last week we were having lessons and carols. And looking forward to 
the Lord's Day and our Christmas time together. And here we are a month later. I hope you haven't lost it. So as we're looking forward to 2023, and as we're now one-twelfth of the way into the year, we have some good questions to ask ourselves, and this passage helps us. Are we looking to God for everything we need? That's convicting, isn't it? You know, every time, every time I, I check that little app on my phone that has the stock market wiggles and waggles and greens and reds, it's a good, and by the way, it's okay to check. You're supposed to be responsible people. But every time you do, it's a good reminder to say, hey, I'm trusting God. I'm relying on the Lord. It's all his anyway, Right? Right? You can nod. It's all his. We depend on him. Likewise with our children. See, this is, this is what the, the passage is about. Unless the Lord builds the house. But then in verse 3, this brings it all into focus. What this is really about is the heritage. I'll explain that in a moment. But the reason we can know it, whether you know any Hebrew or not, it's that word behold. Behold brings your attention to what the thing's all about. Right there in verse 3, behold, children are a heritage. Indeed, the fruit of the womb is a reward. That's the house he's talking about. He's not talking about brick. He's not talking about... Uh, about blocks. He's not talking about wood frames. He, he's talking about our children. The heritage that we have to leave, to set forth, to project out into this world. Or with the idea of arrows to launch out into this world. We're having and rearing covenant children. That's one of the emphases of God's people from the beginning to the end. And so it's no surprise when you look around a healthy church, one that's honoring God, one that's obeying God's word, you're going to see young families with children. And you're going to see older folks who have had their children or not in God's providential pleasure. But you're going to see a church that's taking care of those children. You say, well, I've never had children, so this is leaving me out. No, it's not. Because every time we have a covenant baptism, right down here, you take a vow as a member of this church that you will be party to this family rearing their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We're a, we're a clan. We're a covenanted body. You can't take the individual role here and say, well, not my kids. Got nothing to do with this. 
They're all ours. That's the reason we should be concerned. If we see a little one straying out of the sight of their parents, we should be concerned and we should enter in. You say, well, I don't know if it's in my... Yes, it's your business. Because you took a vow to help your parents. And that means what we confessed earlier. Did you notice that? Protecting and providing for them all things necessary for soul and body. That's what this chapter, part of what this chapter is about. Now, notice something here. This is, this is the sad tone to this chapter. Of Solomon. In God's good pleasure, under God's breathing of divine word, Solomon gave us this. We know of one child Solomon had. Contrast that to Obed-Edom, who because of his protection of the Ark of the Covenant was blessed with 30-some-odd children, if my memory serves me right. I don't come tonight and say, check you out, it's 20-something. It's I'm just working off the top of my head here, okay? Contrast that, though, tens of children to one. And that didn't turn out well for Solomon, did it? Yet he knew all the right things. That should be a, a behold mark, an exclamation point right there for us. You can know all the right things. You can know to depend upon God. And you can know how to discipline your children according to the scriptures. And you can know what to teach them about the Lord and his salvation and not do it. So take that as a warning. Fathers, particularly, you can't just sit around in the evening and say, well, my theology's good, I, I'm, I'm, I'm reading my Bible, and you don't apply it to your children and your family life. You could end up like Solomon. Knowing all, believing all the right things, but not applying them. That's the reason the book of James is so important, isn't it? Faith without works is not really faith at all. All right. With that introduction, let's look at the two points that are here. The first, our creative and conserving work comes from God. We could say the creation and the providential care comes from God. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Now here God's saying that we're supposed to we're supposed to we're supposed to be involved in this whole creative act. Now that's not in the sense that God created because he created all things out of nothing. We have to take stuff to make stuff. 
So we're building. We're constructing. Unless the Lord constructs the house, those who construct it labor in vain. And then, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So there you've got the, 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 the making, the constructing, the creating, and then the caring for, the providential care for. We often, we often thank the Lord, don't we, for not only being the creator, but also being the sustainer of all things. In Colossians, we're told that the Lord Jesus Christ not only made it, but he holds everything together. If he didn't hold it all together, it would just fly apart. He is actively keeping it together. And here it's applied to the house, to the home, to the church as well. Because the Lord ultimately is building his church. Did you notice when we read in Ephesians, Paul begins talking about the family structure, husbands and wives And then he says, now, I'm speaking a mystery here. This is really, I'm talking about the church. I always get a kick out of that because Paul knows the human heart. After he says this mystery is profound, I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. He knows that that we are very likely at that point to say, oh, he wasn't talking to me at all. He was using an analogy, but I'm not committed to this. And then he says, however, let each one of you love his wife and let the wife see that she respects her husband. In other words, that did pertain to you, but it was a little picture of something much larger. And that much larger thing is the church. And so when he talks about building the house, ultimately the Lord, as he's building each of our families in this congregation... He's ultimately doing that, knitting us together to build the church. And so each of our families, children included then, produced the church. It's just an easy analogy that Paul moves from and that the Lord uses throughout the scriptures. A family is made up of children. Those children are a heritage and they're a reward. We need to treat them that way. I'm going to warn you about something. My goodness, how sad it is when you hear, you hear parents and you say, how are the children? The first thing you say is, don't do that. They're a heritage. They're a reward. And we can fall into the world here. I've known people that couldn't wait to see their children get out of the house. Well, I mean, ultimately we are working toward that day. But we shouldn't long for that day. We should enjoy our children. I mean, rewards are to be enjoyed, right? Well, I got this reward. I can't wait to get rid of it. I mean, that's ultimately what you're saying. If you say, they're two, I can't wait till they're 20. Get them out of here. No. 
A reward is something we relish. It's something we enjoy. Notice how he moves here. Unless the Lord builds the house. Then he goes into, it has to be the Lord doing it. And then he says, it is vain that you rise up early. He moves to this, this analogy now. It's vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Now, he's not condemning hard work here. He's just saying, if you're going to build your house on your labors, that's vanity. Now, that sounds like Solomon, doesn't it? Did you see it? It's in vain. No surprise, Solomon's writing it. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And he knows what's vanity. You trying to do it all in your strength, in your power, in your ingenuity, in your conniving ways. But notice how the contrast is here. He gives to his beloved sleep. The world, depending on their own strength, on their own minds, they labor in vain. But the righteous, he gives sleep. I'll never forget. This verse has come in, come into my mind so many times, just recently for myself. After COVID, I've slept less than I, I and I've never slept much, but after COVID, it's been even less. But I remember the first two years with one of our sons who's not present this morning. For the first two years, he slept about this much every night. That meant dad slept about this much every night. And I remember one night praying, Lord, you say in your word that you give sleep to your beloved. Either I'm not your beloved Or you're keeping it from me for some reason. And it was not long after I prayed that, Kaz slept through the night. Oops, slipped. And at five o'clock, I woke up and realized he hadn't been awake. I ran in, I grabbed him out of his little crib and shook him. It's a wonder I hadn't killed him to be sure he was alive because he never slept. Five hours before. It had been five hours. So you can say, well, you didn't trust God when you prayed that prayer. Give me sleep and give him sleep. Well, I did. But sometimes at five o'clock in the morning, you know, you're not epistemologically self-conscious. He gives sleep to his beloved. There's peace. Listen, folks, if, 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 if you're building your home, if you're training your children, if you're disciplining your children, and it all depends on you, you will never get any good rest. As long as you're trusting yourself. But if you're trusting the Lord, see, that's where our peace comes, isn't it? In trusting the Lord. Resting. What's one of the vows? If I remember, 
here in a few moments. Sometimes I get excited in the course of a worship service and forget something, especially if it's not printed. We're going to receive some new members, Tyler and Debbie LeBlonde and um, Brandy Alford. They were already members of this church. The session met with them last Sunday afternoon, but they're going to come and you're going to see their faces if you haven't seen them already, and you're going to hear them take their vows. One of those vows is that, that you receive and rest upon Christ alone as he is offered in the gospel. That's what faith is, receiving and resting. Not depending on yourself, but depending upon him. And that applies not just to salvation, but it applies to family life, to rearing of children, to building a home. And that's what the psalmist says. And then he comes with the exclamation point, the italics, the underlining, the bold print, all of that. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. And here's what they are. They're like arrows in the hand of a warrior or the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man. There's that covenant language again surrounding the children. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. By the way, we have no idea how many a quiver full is. So don't start saying, well, it says a quiver full, so we should have 10 or 12. Because there's no defining number on this. It's back up to verse 1 unless the Lord builds the house. And the Lord may choose to give you one or two or more. And that's okay. Or he may not choose to give you any. And that's okay. We rest in the Lord. Notice something it says here. They're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. A warrior is going to battle. So our children are part of our defense. We don't usually think of that. But you notice it comes around down here at the end of verse 5. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. If the children been reared in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and they are nice sharp spiritually sharp arrows there will be nothing to embarrass the mom and the dad about there will be nothing to embarrass the church about but instead there will be a, like offensive weapons in other words they make the gospel look real People can't sit around and say, well, you talk about the gospel. Look what happened to your children. That's what the psalmist is saying here. It's important how we train our children. And let me tell you something. If we don't protect our children in soul and body, as we just confessed earlier, it'll be hard for them to trust the Lord. And then it'll be easy for the world to look back at us and speak poorly of the church. Unless the Lord builds the house. So it begins with the Lord, it ends with the Lord. 
Our legacy is from God, y'all. Our legacy is in a lot of ways offered to this world. But one of those ways is in the church and through the children. And it brings a blessing to us. And it brings a blessing to the church. And it brings a blessing to the Lord. Because ultimately he gets the credit. But while we're dependent on him, we also have to be reminded that he's called us to be responsible and accountable. Again, I'll bring that point up. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, the Lord says. For it is he who is at work in you to will and to do his good pleasure. That's Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2, is he's at work in you to will and to do. 3 through 5, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We're the ones who are supposed to be shaping and molding these arrows the fruit of the womb, the rewards, the heritage. By the way, this heritage is not just for your individual family, back to the Ephesians passage. It's a heritage for the church as well. It's for future generations. A few years ago, I was finishing up a, a lecture on the life of Samuel Davies, who was a prominent Presbyterian minister in the 18th century. He was uh, the minister that uh, labored in the wilderness region of Virginia. From Richmond to Charlottesville, down to Farmville, where Hamden Sydney University is located now. And uh, one of the families that he ministered to during those years had quite a heritage. As I studied that family life, I realized that while I was teaching at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, I had the privilege of laboring with one of his, one of his spiritual and physical descendants. The man's name back in 1730s was Joseph Morton. And I had the privilege for several years to teach with Dr. Morton Smith. He was part of that heritage of his great, 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 great something, uncle, and the ministry of Samuel Davies in the wilderness of Virginia before this was even a nation. Wouldn't it be wonderful 
One of these days, somebody does that and finds in your family, my goodness, this person pastoring this church, this elder of this church, this deacon of this church, this, this, this wonderful saintly woman of this church is a descendant 200 years ago, almost 300 years ago. Let's, let's hop forward. Yeah, let's just say 300 years. 300 years ago. This family at Covenant Presbyterian Church produced this child, this godly child, and this man, this woman in our church now serving Christ faithfully is a descendant, a spiritual descendant, part of that heritage, part of the reward to the church. Well, it comes with much labor, but it comes with much faith in Christ. Unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord watches, we will labor in vain. So it all starts with faith. It all hinges on God's wonderful, sovereign work. So we're to depend upon him. We're to call upon him. And then we rear our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We protect them spiritually and physically so that when we launch them, they'll be good, straight, sharp arrows. That's the work of the church. Father, thank you for reminding us in this wonderful passage that you do it but we're responsible. But even then, when we fail, you're bigger than that. You're, you're more able. You cover our weaknesses. Thank you for taking care of our weaknesses. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for telling us in your word how to do it. May we see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of, of our lives. May we see our children's children being at peace with God and man. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.